So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, addicts, alcoholics, sobers, normies, men, ladies, kings, queens, royals, peasants, cats, dogs, gays, straights. I am Chris, and I am an alcoholic. And I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. And with talent on loan from God, I bring you season two, episode seven of the world famous... So I married an alcoholic podcast. How are you, my love? I'm good. How are you doing, honey? I am well, thank you. Shall we Coco Melon? That fucking Coco Melon. I bet I'll hear that again. Oh, guess not. Mumsy <laughs> says no Coco Melon. I hate that bloody Coco Melon. What else you got? Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, my love. To all our loyal listeners and to each other. Ah, yes. Did you have a nice Valentine's Day, honey? I did. I actually did too. I mean, I worked, but um, I came home to a delicious homemade meal mm. by Chef Chris mm. and flowers and a beautiful card. That's right. You sure did because I was reminded to get a card. This morning, he actually sent me a really nice text and at the end said, don't worry, that's not your card. Mm-hmm. Because I knew. He was going to follow through this time. Because Megan will feel some sort of way because she didn't get a stupid piece of paper. Because it just signals that you don't listen. Why do you need another signal? No, no. I, yeah, that's a good point. Very good. <laughs> You've well said. Three years of non-signals. <laughs> like, I don't understand, like, why you need another one. It should be obvious to me by now that you're not listening. This is the point of developing a pattern. Just expect nothing. Smart. Daddy hath delivered. I don't know why I always think that you're trying to do better. I mean, you know, on a personal and professional basis, yes, I strive to do better today than I did yesterday and hopefully tomorrow better than today. Uh, but on a romantic level, yeah, no, nah, I don't give a shit. Well, that's a personal level. See, you got to be all inclusive. I'm just trying to help you along with my reminding. And I am just trying to continue to get health insurance. <laughs> Therefore, I love you, darling. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Another year of health insurance in the books for you. I like it. It was also Super Bowl yesterday. It was. It was Super Bowl Sunday. We're not football people, but we like commercials and halftime entertainment. I am not a sports person, so to speak, unless it's golf, which most would not consider a sport and would also probably rather get like punched in the face for hours on end than watch golf. Watching golf is painful. I'm not going to lie. No, it is what it is. Yeah. We all have our thing. You like to watch like 90 Day Fiance and all of this other mind-numbing bullshit. I prefer a little golf. Okay. To each their own. We'll agree to disagree. I've bought you several TVs in this house. I think a lot of people would support my 90 Day Fiance watching. Well, again... You can take my earlier suggestion. There are several TVs in this house. You can invite your idiot friends over and bury yourselves in some room that isn't on my big TV. Don't and, lie. And uh, you can watch a little 90 Day Fiance. You get sucked in, too. I do. <laughs> it's it impossible is, not to. It's, it's Somehow it's intriguing, the whole thing. It's like a car accident. Yeah. You don't want to watch, but you just have to. It, not only that, I don't even really want to get into this because I think that we have more important things to discuss, but 
the whole premise of the 90 Day Fiance, in case you haven't watched it yet, is that, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, whatever it is. Or often, so they think. Or so they think. Because it's normally an online relationship. Oftentimes, it is somebody from the United States that travels to a third world country. Often. I think there was only one season, maybe. Uh, who's that wicked annoying chick with the the lips that are entirely too big? Uh, I want to call her Darla, but that's not it. But she looks like a Darla. She could be a Darla. Anyways, she was the only one that like ended up hooking up with an affluent gentleman from, what, London? Yeah, she has her own show now. Darcy. Darcy. Yeah, nailed it. Darcy's lips. Mm. I thought you weren't into that. I'm not. Okay, just checking. But what else? Seeing if I have to get injections this week. Oh, Jesus Christ. Speaking of which, I am going to see your aunt and uncle next Tuesday. Very excited. Getting my teeth cleaned. Getting my teeth bleached. And I don't think they're doing this here, but I do have a separate appointment to get my asshole bleached. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about it. That sounds lovely, honey. I'm glad that you're taking care of yourself. I'm going to have the shiniest asshole this side of the Mississippi. It's really nice. All right. Now that my vanity has shown through. Thank God. The people were missing it prior to this. Let us thank the sponsors. Marlene Graphics, marlanegraphics.com for all of your printing needs. And Realtor and a Baby, realtorandababy.com for all of your real estate needs. And please remember, we need peddlers. We need your help. We need your legs. We need you to show up and support not only us, but also the Team Foster organization as a whole. Yes, it's for the Rough Ride event, uh, June 4th and 5th. It's a 24-hour cycling event. You do not have to pedal 24 hours. You can come and volunteer to pedal for 10 minutes. We'll take anything we can get. Absolutely. So uh, go to teamfoster.org. Dot org. Click join a team. Join a team. choose the So I Marry an Alcoholic team to be a so part of our squad. I Married an Alcoholic I actually sent Chris a picture of like sequin fanny packs the other day. I was like, what do you think of those for our team members? This is why I have to get my asshole bleached. (laughs) It has to match my fanny pack. (laughs) It sure will. We have sequined assholes that weekend as well. Pink and sparkly. I like it. (laughs) Auntie Gabe, he would love a sparkly asshole. We'll get him one. We do also not at this point have a toe liquor update, and I'm very sorry. I know there's been a bunch of people that reached out recently that want to know the various other fetishes of Auntie Gay P. I I don't know. I don't actually think that was his fetish. It's a fetish nonetheless. It's someone's, that's for sure. You're either on the giving or the receiving end of the fetish. I don't want to talk about the toes anymore. Well, I mean, it's Valentine's Day. You can tie it all in together somehow. That's right. So... If you have any other questions, comments, concerns, feedback, make sure you send them to so I married an alcoholic at gmail.com. Of course, continue to like, listen, follow us on all of our social media accounts. They're all so I married an alcoholic, with the exception being the Twitter, which is married to AATOAA. All right, we got the business out of the way. The business end of the podcast has completed. Okay, honey, what would you like to talk about this evening? Let's talk about how we finally get rid of that rolling dumpster you call your Acura. So my Acura had well over 100,000 miles on it. Uh, yeah, close to like 150. And it stuttered when you drove it. Mm-hmm. Only in like a 15 mile per hour range, but still stuttered nonetheless. Hmm. 
and was very much so on its way out. Yes, unfortunately. Chris and I had had differing opinions on how to handle this situation. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's accurate. For the past couple months, Chris has been hounding me. Let's trade it in. You can get good money right now for used cars. Let's trade it in and Mm -hmm. buy something new. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, number one, do not like change and do not like the idea of having a car payment for any longer. Now, I do understand that I still would have had a car payment because the car was going to die by the time it was paid for anyway. But in my mind, we were almost there. Well, I mean, there's, you know, frankly, nothing worse than a car payment and a massive mechanic payment, whatever you want to call it. So last Tuesday, I drove back to school and I was off. I came home and hung out around the house. And then Frankie and I were going to Costco at 11 a.m. for tapas. Mm, For those of you that are not members at Costco, I highly recommend it. Most of the Costco warehouses actually have a gas station attached to it. It's, you know, 10, 15 cents cheaper than gas everywhere else. And like Megan was just mentioning, if you time it correctly, you can eat lunch for free. (laughs) Frankie and I do it every time we go. Around 11 a.m., they start putting the snacks out. We get in the car to head to Costco and the car turns over but does not start. I actually don't even know if that's a quite right term. I don't know. All I know is it wouldn't go anywhere. I believe much like Auntie Gay P at home on a Friday night, it's called it cranks. It just doesn't start. I mean, I kept trying. I was still putting it in reverse. I couldn't understand why it wasn't moving. It's done this before, so I figured, no problem. Let's turn it off. It just needs a minute. <laughs> I tried again. Still no luck. Now, on the way to drive back to school, my gas light had gone on, but that means I have like 60 miles left to go, and Max school is about three and a half miles away. I don't think there's actually a, a vehicle on this entire planet that once the gas light goes on, you have 60 miles left. It's 40. But... It tells you 40. Well. So I was going to the Costco anyway later, so I was going to get the gas then. Again, I trust nothing about that vehicle. So anyway, I go inside, I get Chris's car, and I'm like, hey, my car's broken. Will you have that fixed by the time I get back? We're going to pick up some milk. So I I appreciate the fact that you're telling the story. However, if I was to upload the Nest Cam footage to one of our social media accounts, by the way, it's So I Married an Alcoholic, you would see that Megan's concerns were not expressed so calmly. I was in full-blown panic. If I may. I mean, there were tears rolling down the face. And, like, you would have thought that somebody very, very close to Megan had just died. It did. My car. I mean, it was dramatic. That's all I'm saying. So, anyway, we come back from the Costco. I now take the car to go pick Mac up at school and go to the doctor. We come back, and the car is gone. Chris has had it towed from the driveway. Because she was like, can you go look at it? And I'm like, yep. I get in them, honey. I don't get under them. So I did my husbandry duties. I went outside, I popped the hood, and I got the same exact results as Megan. And I was like, well, here comes the tow truck. So I'm devastated. And Chris, how are you feeling in this moment? I was elated. (laughs) (laughs) He had his I told you so gleaming smile on. Oh, victory laps for days. So, and he was pissed. He's like, I told you, I told you, don't even talk to me. I'm going to unload on you right now. This should have been taken care of months ago. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
that night we go to the car dealership because we know it needs to be replaced. Now, there's a couple of factors in play here. We still have car payments left on the Acura. How much are they going to give us for this car? Mm -hmm. What does that leave our car budget at? What's it going to cost us to fix whatever is wrong with it? So we walk into the dealership Tuesday night knowing we only have one hour to get this done. Why max at practice? Literally one hour. So we walk in. We see the first guy we see. We sit down at his desk. And I say, listen, I'm not picky. All I need is an SUV with a third row or at least a very large trunk. Leather seats because I spill coffee constantly. And at least a built-in, you know, recycling bin or two. (laughs) And very low mileage. Because mm-hmm. I drive entirely too much. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, our guy who had been a car salesman for about 17 minutes. Yeah, I'd say that's right. I think we were definitely his first deal. Mm-hmm. Looks in his little computer machine and he's like, I got a couple things for you. So he brings us out to the lot where it is freezing cold. Baby is not pleased. Yeah, we have the crank with us as well. And he can't find the cars. He's like literally like your grandmother after spending six hours inside the mall. He's got, you know, two key fobs in each hand and he's hitting the alarms and nothing's happening. I'm like, dude, it's 12 degrees out. The child is pissed. Find the effing cars. So he tells us to go wait inside while he pulls the car around. Great plan, bro. So Chris and I go back to his desk where we are greeted with a bathroom selfie circa 2008. Printed on 8 by 11 paper. Now, I know you're thinking, well, 2008, that wasn't that long ago. This was literally like his eighth grade graduation pick. I was going to say, since he just got out of diapers, you know, (laughs) six months ago. (laughs) So while we were outside looking for, you know, the vehicles that don't exist, somebody, one of his uh, dealership brethren, put this picture of him on his desk. Hazing him. You may say. You would absolutely say so. And I was like, dude, what is this? He's like, well, this is bullshit. This is like the fifth time that this has happened to me today. (laughs) He was having a rough day. And I literally was like, I'm buying every car I ever get from this dealership now because you are my people. Yeah, you're our guy, Brad. Yep. Um, So anyway, we see a car that we like. It's, you know, got everything we need. And it is a shit brown color. Yeah, something somewhere between like in the color spectrum, like a period and shit. But that's okay. Otherwise, it checked all the boxes. Yeah. So we're like, all right, evaluate our car. Tell us what it's worth. Work out the deal and we'll pick it up tomorrow. He's like, someone will call you at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So we leave. And now we have to start the work carpool because we are now a one car household which as you loyal listeners know is not my thing because megan goes to work at eight o'clock in the morning i don't get out of bed until at least 10 30 in the morning it's an 8 a.m arrival folks so we need to be out the door at 705 not working for me frankie also normally sleeps till 8 a.m so she wasn't that thrilled about the whole process either she was not so we load up the crank wednesday morning frankie's got a little cappuccino Daddy's got a nice latte. Megan's in the passenger seat. And there is nothing but silence for 45 minutes (laughs) down to the main line. So I'm waiting, right? It's 9.01. It's 9.02. Where is my phone call? I think when someone gives you a time, they mean it. 
Not necessarily. Chris never means that. He's always late. Yeah. So anyway, finally, like, I'm trying to be good and, like, patient. Finally, like, 11 a.m., I say to Chris, have you heard anything? He's like, no, be patient, my love. Hmm. But at this time, he's kind of softening. I am the supportive husband that Megan's father has always wanted me to be. He is... I'm here for you, darling. Have some patience. Grab some lunch. It's all going to be okay. It's all just going to work out as the good Lord intended. He is being kind and supportive, even encouraging. So now the day drags on further and further into dusk. Finally, around 4 p.m., I'm like, can you please just call them? I can't take it anymore. I certainly will, my love. I'm here to please you. So he calls me back and he says, it's not good. It's not good, Megan. There's a throttle. A brake. A computer. A windshield. A fender. Wipers for the windshield. And the list goes on and on and on. But, he says, they are willing to give us an excellent trade-in. So I'm like, all right, you know what, honey? You are right. It's time. Daddy's working the deal. Let's put her out to pasture and pick up a new vehicle. Let's do it. So he says, you need to call the credit union to get a car loan. So I'm like, no problem. That's never been a problem for me and my sparkling credit. Hmm. So, unfortunately, Chris isn't allowed to bank until 2026. That's right. For reasons we've alluded to, but never quite delved into, but maybe someday we will. Robbed a bank, never did a day in jail. However, financial institutions have blackballed him for 10 years. Can't even go inside. So, because of that, everything we own is on me. Which is amazing, because I can literally pack up the bird, pack up the crank, head to Cancun. It's like I never existed. (laughs) So anyway, the credit union says, oh, no problem. We'll get you this excellent rate. We're sending the pre-approval. We'll call you first thing tomorrow morning. Mm Mm-hmm. So first thing tomorrow morning. Pack up the crank. She got a little cappuccino. Daddy's got a latte. Megan sits in silence, all kinds of anxious. Day two of work carpool. Not good. I get there. I'm waiting for the call. I'm waiting for the call. There's still no call. Mm-mm. So I decide to call them. Mm. Where they say, you have been declined. I beg your pardon? There must be a mistake, sir. This has never happened to me before. Computer says no. Something about debt-to-income ratio. I don't even know what that means. I said, you must not have my actual income. Let me send it again. Mm. I send it again. They say, oh, okay, no problem. We did have something a little different. We'll let you know in a couple hours. I'm sending it for a second review. Megan is sitting in her shit. The second review comes. Denied. And please don't try again. They actually (laughs) said that. (laughs) They're like, ma'am, you're pathetic. Please stop calling us. We are no longer interested in this relationship. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. It sounds like my dating life. Anyway, I am now devastated. Oh, poor baby. And in a full panic. Now we have no options. Mm. We have zero options. We have one car that needs the throttle for $6,000. So she thinks. And we have no credit. We're fucked. What is going to happen? Call Mumsy. And 
Ask for a new car. Yeah. <laughs> so Mumsy does offer us, well, if you need to, you can come get my Volvo. Which is very nice. Very kind offer. And if we have some time, I don't know, maybe at the end of this incredibly drawn out story about how we just got a new car, I will talk about how much that truly means to me, you know, because of, you know, how much our relationship has grown over the past couple of years. But anywho. So now we're in a we're in a situation. However, I am literally I'm sweating like I'm at work. I'm, I'm you know, doing my job, but I'm in full blown panic about what is going to happen next. I don't like not knowing what's going to happen next. And I, too, am doing my job and I'm about to come clean to Megan. Mm-hmm. Maybe the car just needed a gallon of gas and it started right up. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Now, it did need a laundry list of work done. However, to become runnable again, all it needed was a gallon of gas. Four dollars. <laughs> I think it's like five fifty in some places. Probably. But, you know, that's not here. That's here nor there. Yeah, we're not going political. So anyway, I'm like, are you kidding me? I wish I were. Chris was so devoted to the cause of getting rid of this Acura, he duped me into thinking there was no revival. I mean, in my defense, it didn't really take much duping. No, because I don't know. I mean, is there even a throttle on a car? It's not like, well, yes, it's called an accelerator. Uh, You know, it's not like it took some massive amount of planning or anything like that. So as a matter of fact, when I jumped in the car on Tuesday, I saw that the gas gauge was buried and to the left side, not the full side. And I honestly, like, I didn't really think much of it because I know Megan doesn't really have the uh, the range anxiety that I have. You know, you drive your car on empty all the time. Like, it's oh, not, totally. I drive I'm, on fumes. I'm not saying that like it's a dig. I mean, it's not good mechanically for the car. It's the truth. But it is what yeah. it is, right? I've run out of gas many times in my life. I was sure this wasn't it, though. The light had literally just gone on. Well, you can add this to the list of times. <laughs> So anyways, the car literally needs a gallon of gas. And I'm like thinking to myself in the back of my mind, you know, now that Megan has this news that she is not approved for a loan and this car is, I mean, frankly, drivable, albeit not in any better shape than when it died in the driveway. I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's just go pick it up. We'll bite the bullet. We'll do what we have to do. So we pick it up. I drive it to work on Friday. And we lament over the right thing to do. And what is the right thing to do? I don't know. It was a hard decision. So we decided to meet at the car dealership at 4.30. And we're going to see what they, what kind of, because they said, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll get you financing. They just had to add me to the application. And we're thinking it's going to be like. Not my thing. They think it's going to be like, we're thinking in our mind, it's going to be like $300 more than we were already paying. Has to be. The dealership wants to fuck you no matter which way they can. So we're terrified. So we walk in and they're like, oh, you can go put your bag in the new car. And I'm thinking, I'm not actually sure I'm buying a new car, but all right, I'll bite. I'm putting my keys in. Like, I, I'm just going through the motions. Like, we're, they haven't even taken us into the scary magic room yet where they tell you <laughs> how much of your firstborn you have to sign over for a new car. And we are literally sitting there at the dealership 
you know, the salesman's desk was literally right outside of the finance guy's office. We're there for a solid 45 minutes. I have appointments. I have a couple of showings that night that are exactly 27 minutes away from the dealership. These are no fail. This is not the market where you're like, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I can't make the showing tonight. Like, if you don't see it today, somebody else is going to buy it from you. Right. So at this point, we literally have about 12 minutes left when they get us into the finance office. And I told the finance guy, I said, listen, I am certainly not trying to be rude, but I have appointments and I have like a half hour before I have to get out of here. And he's like, no problem. I appreciate your time. If anything, you can come back tomorrow if we like miss a document or something like that. And I was like, no problem. So we go in the magic room and I am 10 seconds away from a nervous breakdown. I am cool as a clam. He gives us the news. You're approved. For a rate just as good as the credit union was going to give us and a car payment that's the same we were paying. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's a little bit more. Like 40 bucks. Yeah. In in the grand scheme of thing, there's at least $40 worth of scrap metal in Megan's old back seat. So, like, that's not a big deal, right? Oh, my God. So, the moral of the story is we got the new car. We sure did. We now have a safe vehicle with very low miles on it and quite lovely. Minus the color. That's all right. I can overlook that. I can't. It's getting the new So I Married an Alcoholic logo put on the back it's in production as we speak so if you see a 2019 turd (laughs) (laughs) cross between a period and uh like a alcohol infused diarrhea running around the main line it's megan so now the interesting thing about this right first of all and i love my new car and it was meant to be and chris was right and i told him that i said you know what honey i'm sorry it took me this long to see your side of it you were right we had to get rid of it yeah and i wasn't i mean i didn't do my normal song and dance like everyone praise the great allah slash chris because i am just the greatest thing since pure heroin you know Or probably you didn't do that because you totally manipulated me into it. Well, I mean, I did totally manipulate you into it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, doing victory laps wouldn't have served anyone or the situation. And the situation was what it was. I think that at the end of the day, obviously that worked out, which was amazing. But I also think that much like a lot of the things that we go through, you and I, Like, we truly worked together as a couple. We tag-teamed this thing the whole way, like running out the various options, the good, the bad, the in-between, what does this mean, what does that mean, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and it's funny because I think I was at work when I got the text that the car just needed gas, and everyone knew how I was, like, cycling through my mind all week about it, how I was so stressed out. And they're like, I would kill him. And in my mind, I was actually relieved. Can't kill me. I had noticed the change in behavior. 20 years of heroin didn't kill me. I don't think your coworkers are going to do it. The kindness, the supportiveness, a little out of character for Chris. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what has he done? Who is in my house on the stripper pole? Exactly. So when I found out he just manipulated me into buying a new car, I was thrilled. 
Yeah. Could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, that was super easy. It was <laughs> easy to swallow. <laughs> and there were no additional guns that came through the door or bird dogs or miniature horses or yeah, it didn't anything match. like that. It didn't cost me like a, a matching Maserati for him, which I really thought was going to happen. Yeah, because the whole time that Megan's car was getting traded in, I was like sending her pictures of random, you know, $100,000 cars that are just not in our future nor budget. And that obviously was not helping the situation. But terrifying because I wouldn't put it past him. I was like, check out this new shotgun. It's beautiful. It's got a bird dog engraving on it. She's like, it's $36,000. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's one of a kind. <laughs> oh, you're one of a kind, honey. Sure am. Uh, so anyway, I, I think it's interesting in a sense to talk about the difference between I think everyone has a certain way of getting what they want. And I think when you're in a relationship, um, it's even more unique than, say, you would do it with coworkers, friends, family. Clients. Because when you're in a relationship, you know how to push the other person's buttons. Mm -hmm. Chris definitely fed off my anxiety, but did it in a positive way to support me because he knew I would fall hook, line, and sinker for it. Which is not only why I am such an incredible person, but also an incredible realtor. Absolutely. I do think, though, we communicated extremely well through this whole situation. We did. And you know what? Again, at the end of the day, uh, problem solved. You know, we got ourselves a, a great new car. Were my methods a little unethical, if you will? Well, yeah, I think so. Wasn't it easier, though, to be a supportive husband than always trying to start shit with me? Easier, yes. Entertaining, no. <laughs> You'd love to push my buttons. I do. So how would you say you've changed in addiction? You spent every moment of every day trying to get what you wanted. What were your go-tos back think, in the day? You know, I think the, the manipulation while in the throes of addiction was more of a this is going to sound a little interesting, right? Like a self-serving manipulation, right? It was all about me, what I could do for me, how I could uh, exacerbate or alleviate a particular situation to swing into my direction. For this particular batch of manipulation, I think that, albeit, again, wrong, I do think that it served our greater purposes in terms of financially uh you know a mechanically sound and worry-free vehicle it definitely did and for me sometimes fear can rule my life and that fear of change or taking a leap getting a new car is too much for me to even think about mm. so i could not see that part of it right. all i could see is i have a car right now it drives i can afford it why will we do anything else Right. And it, I think it just it, like I look at it from a standpoint of the car has one hundred and thirty five hundred forty thousand miles on it. We're paying X amount for a month. If we get hit with a three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollar mechanic bill, like we're fucked. And you it know, was it's just it's unnecessary. Soon. Yeah. So if you could pay the same amount for a brand new vehicle almost, why not? Yeah. And it just, you know, it worked out. So would you say you're 
I mean, I think addicts and alcoholics are master manipulators. Without I, question. I think that it's done super negatively during addiction. Mm-hmm. I think that part of it stays around in a positive manner through recovery. I agree with that. But I think the way we do it changes. Or the purpose of it, like you said. This was for a greater good. It wasn't just your own self-serving needs. Yes, exactly. At the end of the day, manipulation is manipulation, right? I think, again, you know, it served the greater purpose. So, albeit maybe slightly unethical in the marriage realm, it worked out. It did. So we are driving a new car. We are indeed. Let's switch gears a little bit. The Super Bowl halftime show was geared towards... Obviously, like, our age. It was awesome. I felt like I was at a college party. (laughs) And then, you know, Megan and I were talking, and I think maybe right away you could start to see the memes come out on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. But between Mary J. Blige and Eminem, there's something like 25 years of sobriety. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Now, I think that had absolutely nothing to do with the design of the halftime show, so to speak. No, definitely not. Um, but it is pretty cool that, you know, there was momentum attached to them or the conversation wasn't necessarily about the quality of the show, blah, blah, blah. Like, there was a lot of stuff going around about their personal sobriety. Definitely. And I think there's a lot of celebrities out there that put it out there. Yes. And I think that's important. I think they're people, you know, that represent our group. And sometimes I guess negatively. But to see people that live in that limelight, which oftentimes comes with that party atmosphere. I don't know how they can do it. With unlimited funds. That's my thing, right? The the only things that, quote unquote, like stopped me in my tracks when I was actively using was a lack of funds or handcuffs. Interestingly enough, when Chris first started in real estate, and it, it, it's a hard road in the beginning, right? Making a name for yourself, growing your business. I remember I actually said to him, I'm glad that, you know, you didn't start off and make a million dollars this year. No. Because that would have been extremely dangerous for you. I, without question, would be probably right back where I was, you know, four plus, almost five years ago. Yeah. Um. So that quick cash, that unlimited funds. So I think it's important to note that. So although it was literally like a party in 2003 and that was fantastic, I think it's important to note the amount of sobriety that was on that stage. Yes, absolutely. That's huge. I, I don't think that, I mean, I can remember... Like Aerosmith played the halftime show years ago, and I think that I I can't speak for all of the members of Aerosmith, but I believe that Steven Tyler has a decent amount of sobriety. But I can't think back to any of the particular halftime shows recently where there was a major or incredibly successful artist that had any length of sobriety, you know? Yeah, so I think it's cool that people recognize that and put that out there on social media, too. Absolutely. And also to change gears just a little bit again. So I told uh, or we had talked about how we had called Mumsy and she was like, oh, yeah, just come get the Volvo. Now, let me tell you something about my dear old Mumsy, who you heard from at the beginning of the show and her anger towards the Coco Melon. There was a time I don't really recall exactly when it was, but it was probably 
I don't know, 2018, 2019, something like that. Now, obviously, mother, child, I love her, she loves me, whatever. But I remember I was sitting on my bed at her house and to not get too or to not get drawn into too much of a conversation about this. I want to keep it more towards like the the positive aspect of it. But my mother had literally said, like, you'd be better off if you weren't here, as in, like, you should probably just kill yourself. And that was hard to hear. Right. And now if you fast forward, what is it, seven, eight years, something like that? My mother is totally willing to give up her car. I mean, you're loaded, you Scottish Jew, and to help us. Absolutely. And by the time even I had met your mom and you had been sober, by the time I met her, not quite a year yet. I was going to say maybe right around a year. Yeah, you guys had already come leaps and bounds. Oh, probably exactly a year, actually. You guys had come leaps and bounds. Yeah. I would have never thought that. Besides the fact that Chris had told me that. Yes. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned before on the show that, you know, there's relationships with my family, with friends from my past, you know, exes, whatever it is, that those relationships are not repaired. And some of them are probably better off not being repaired. But... It just goes to show you how this program specifically, you know, NAAA, a program of self-help, things like that, can go such a long way to repairing damage that you've done and allowing you to be a successful human being and have healthy, normal relationships, right? Yeah. In less than two weeks, we're headed down south to visit Dick and Jude. Prick and rude. Chris's dad and stepmom. Mm-hmm. Again, a relationship that was uh, severed. In fact, the first time I met them, that was the first time you would talk to them in a couple years. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's right. And it was kind of like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And you did have a private conversation with them. I remember even your brother, like when you were outside talking to them, he's like, is he okay? Is everything okay? Is he going to be okay? Do you think he's going to be okay? Like concerned. (laughs) Time will tell. You know, that he wasn't. And I'm like, should I be more worried about this? Chris kind of glossed over it. He made it sound like everything was fine. It's just like, you know, the car. But now it is. We drive down there. We were just down in October. They come and see us. And, you know, we spend a significant amount of time there. And I look forward to it every single time. As do I. Because, again, something that I've mentioned before is that we all, every single one of us, I don't care how old you are, young, whatever, we only have a finite amount of time on this earth. And we will only be around, you know, Megan and I for so long. Our parents, there are only so many interactions left with them, you know, and it's again, it speaks to the program, how you can put the past or how you can leave the past in the past and work on the present. Absolutely. As long as you commit to those changes. Exactly. No one's going to forgive you immediately, nor should they. No. And that's, you know what, like you had just talked about, there were the first couple of years that I was sober. You know, those relationships were not repaired. There was still a lot of conversations that was needing to be had. There was a lack of trust, again, deserved. There was a lot of me owning my own shit, not explaining myself or making excuses for myself, but taking responsibility for the shitty things that I had done and saying, I'm going to stop it and I'm going to do better. And now here you are. 
Yeah. You got two sets of parents that love you. Manipulating the shit out of you. Yeah. And here I am stuck in the middle of it all. But you you know what? Now I'm really screwed because I can't just pack my shit and go to Cancun or Amsterdam or whatever. You signed those car papers with me, honey. Now I'm fucked. That's it. <laughs> Goddamn shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget the ring and the vows. It's the joint car payment that's going to make you stay. Yeah, it's really the financial responsibility. So we're headed down to North Carolina in 10 days. We will have one more episode before then. But maybe when we're down there, we can convince Papa Dick to get on the mic. What do you think? I think uh, I think we should. Brother Rick was such a huge hit that I think, you know, we should make it a family affair. Well, you know, as a as a rising journalist, if you will, I think it's only fair that we offer Prick a little bit of airtime so he can tell his side of the story, as in why he beat the shit out of us. Absolutely. Like, we explained that he beat the shit out of us, but maybe he has some sort of, I don't know, amazing paternal insight to impart on our audience. <laughs> I think it's nothing more than, you know, he's a short, fat Italian man and he was just angry. You just backhand. But who knows? Like, he may have some sort of mind-blowing advice for us. I think when I was a teenager, like, and this is before drinking and stuff like that, like, just being a downright teenage bitch girl, I think my dad came home from work once with my mom and I actually wrestling on the floor. That's interesting. There was a lot of love there, but, like, we were pissed. (laughs) That's something, like, again, I, I see... You know, the way that you interact with your family and the unconditional love that they have for you and the tolerance that they have of the several marriages and the baby daddies, etc. <laughs> I never would have guessed that that relationship was ever strained. Uh, that was like normal teenage shit. My mom and I would be wrestling on the ground and like 20 minutes later, she'd be like, you want to go hit the mall? Do you want to you want to get some gabagool? <laughs> Poor Mimi. You know what my mom's number one line was when I was a teenager? Are you nuts? Yeah, that was part of it. (laughs) But she always used to say, like, even if I had a good point about something, she would be like, doesn't matter. I'm the mom. When you're the mom, you can choose what happens. Which is funny because you say that exact line to Mac nowadays and he wants nothing to do with it. I know. And I know. I even know how pissed off it must make him. And I bring it out daily. Oh, good God. (laughs) All right, we're about done with this episode. We want to, again, thank you all for listening. Your support means the absolute world to us. Keep listening, keep downloading, telling your friends, liking, sharing the posts, etc., etc. That being said, say good night, darling. Good night. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Cut off your pet's privates. And please, if you are struggling in any way, Put your hand up, reach out, ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.